0: Viruses challenge our very definition of life. Are they living creatures or not? Either way, viruses have had a profound effect on our evolution.
1: The formation of the placenta depends on a retroviral protein. It's the protein that makes the envelope of the virus, and it's been co-opted in human genetics to actually make placenta. If we didn't have that protein... We might be laying eggs like chickens.
0: (laughs) On this episode of the American Scientist Podcast, understanding viruses' many functions, both harmful and helpful. I'm Robert Frederick. The word virus comes from the Latin word for poison. By the late 19th century, though, viruses were considered the smallest of all biological things because scientists had showed they transmitted biological effects, such as the biological effects seen in the disease, rabies. Then, in 1935, William Stanley crystallized the tobacco mosaic virus, research for which he would later earn a Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1946, showing that the virus appeared to be nothing more than an inanimate chemical. Still, though, challenging the idea of what life is. And in the 1950s, researchers were examining viruses that infect bacteria.
1: They were taken up because they were tiny little things and easy to work with and easy to study genetics because they didn't have very big uh, genomes.
0: Anna Marie Skalka has been working with viruses most of her career, She's professor emerita at the Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia
1: so I studied bacterial viruses for a while and then there was I was part of this big revolution in science where we had recombinant DNA
0: that's the technique of joining two or more strands of DNA into a single strand that then is introduced into a living cell
1: and since I knew how to work with these little bacteria and little uh, viruses I was excited because now this gave me an inter. Introduction into animal viruses.
0: Skalka then started studying a family of viruses called retroviruses. An infamous member of that viral family is HIV, which causes AIDS.
1: I was particularly interested in them because, like the bacterial virus I was studying, they have this propensity to get into your DNA and uh, change the genetic makeup of the genome that they invade.
0: Ann Skalka says this kind of invasion has been going on throughout evolution to positive and negative effect.
1: I don't know how many people know that the formation of the placenta depends on a retroviral protein. It's the protein that makes the envelope of the virus, and it's been co-opted in human genetics to actually make placenta. If we didn't have that protein we might be laying eggs like chickens.
0: (laughs) And there's so much more to discover, given the large percentage of retroviral sequences in our genome.
1: 8% of our genome is actually retroviral sequences. And that's really a shocking number. That's actually more in terms of genetic information than all of the exons that encode all the proteins in our body which is only 1%.
0: And proteins function to provide structure and support for cells. They transport other substances within cells and throughout our bodies. They serve as antibodies to protect us. They carry out as enzymes most of the chemical reactions that take place in cells. So what are all those viral sequences doing? There's no simple answer. But researchers have used what they're learning about viruses even to trace human history.
1: So by following viral genomes, which can be peculiar to certain populations, you can see how people first migrated out of Africa into Europe, into Asia, and then across into the United States.
0: And researchers have already found evidence of viral incorporation into our ancestors from more than 40 million years ago, because the same viral sequences appear in more than a dozen vertebrate species.
1: We now know that some of these viruses were around... 500 million years ago, when creatures were still just in the sea and not on land yet.
0: So researchers are still working to understand just how far back viral elements go evolutionarily.
1: Viruses are really—you can think of them as transposable elements. They go can go from one organism to another, even from one species to another. How unique is each individual when you consider that all of this this uh, transfer back and forth during evolution? has been going on. So it's really, I think, uh, revolutionized the, the study of evolution.
0: Or, to put it another way,
1: viruses are us. We are viruses, <laughs> walking around, for better or for worse.
0: Does that then give you an appreciation, as a virologist, of these more complicated problems, that if you start attacking viruses or, or trying to defeat them, that you could be unintentionally, potentially, hurting human health.
1: Well, yes, because because viruses, they have uh, two facets. So, yeah, Some of them are bad and some of them are good. And this genetic exchange that they are mediators of is important to evolution. And you can see that some of the genes that are useful are conserved. I think if you didn't have this exchange, uh, you would put a damper on some beneficial aspects of
0: evolution. Anne Skalka, thank you very much. You're welcome. Anne Skalka is a virologist and author whose life's work was honored with the 2018 Sigma Xi William Proctor Prize for Scientific Achievement. Read an excerpt of our interview in the January-February 2019 issue of American Scientist. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist magazine published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Thank you for joining us.